0: Ramble. Welcome to Curious with Josh Peck. Start the show. What's up, y'all? Welcome back to the Curious Podcast. My name is Josh Peck. Your name is the listener, and this is great. Kevin, how are you? Uh, Kevin's listening. He's my producer slash engineer slash uh, best friend, really. And he's the one that delivers these podcasts to you. Because without him, I would have no idea how to upload, or... I don't i don't even know what the word is. But I would have no way of delivering what I'm doing now to your ears. Because I'm technologically incapable of doing many things. Like, I can i can barely operate my iPhone. And that's fine. You know what I mean? Because I leave it to savants like Kevin to handle it. And God bless you, Kevin. Thank you for being in my life. Couldn't do it without you. You're my everything... Um, Tomorrow's, well, today, because this drops Tuesday, November 6th. Today is election day um, for the country of the United States of America. And if you don't vote, you don't matter. So vote. It's funny, I wrote on Twitter, I was like, voter shut up. And it did quite well. It got the retweets and the favorites. But of course, there's a couple dicks. You know, there's just a couple contrarian naysayers that feel the need to voice their very important opinions on something as innocuous as vote or shut up. It's not vote Republican or shut up or vote Democrat or shut up. It's just vote. It's just, you know, take, take uh, initiative in our civic duty, you know, be a part of it. You know, spend the extra five minutes to fill out your ballot. You don't even have to go to some creepy middle school gym or some random senior center and stand in line in a booth. You can send that shit in from the comfort of your home while watching something on Netflix or whatever it is you do for a good time. And yet people bitch and they don't. And I just don't understand. But here's my favorite. When I get the text from people who go, oh, I should vote. For this corrupt system, I should participate in this this broken system of ours or shut up. Yeah, I guess I'll shut up, Josh Peck. Also, F yourself. You know what? I hate that a lot. And I don't like that word, but I'm using it because... I I don't want to hear it. Your cynicism is part of the problem. Get over yourself. They all seem to be of a certain type as well, these people that write me these tweets about how our flawed system is really to blame here. And by me not participating, is me making a stand. Fuck yourself. Nope. Give me a break. I don't agree with that, even in the slightest and in the least. And my suspicion is, you're not doing much to move the needle as it is. So you're like weird, entitled pacifism. It's just a big jerk off for your like, I it's, it's ineffective. It does nothing. You do nothing. You don't matter. And your tweets definitely don't matter as mine don't, but they do better than yours. My tweets do better than yours. And what that means, uh, probably nothing. So just vote, just do it. Do it, cause it's the way our system works. And is any candidate perfect? No. And is the system slightly flawed? Probably. And is there like an inequity between, um, you know, social classes and people of different ethnicities? And is there like weird fucked gerrymandering? Yes. Look it up. I just did. I don't believe. Don't you know? I don't. I don't mean to project. Like I know what a word like gerrymandering is, but I. I did recently look it up and. Um, yeah, it's all that. And yet, like, we gotta get up and try it and hopefully make it happen. And, like, maybe us voting for the less flawed person this time means that an even, um, slightly less flawed person will run the time after that. And better and better and better. And over time, perhaps, maybe not for our generation, but for our kids, we'll get a pretty perfect candidate. Maybe. Probably not, because everyone's human. And even, like, the most perfect candidate, I'm sure they, like, yeah, they did a little cocaine and, you know, college, and and that's going to get brought up and, and probably hurt their chances. But, you know, the reality is, is that democracy moves at a fucking snail's pace. And I think it was created right i like feel like our forefathers like that was intentional like they created a system that's easily gridlocked so that like nothing too abrupt could happen that like change takes a really 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 long time but like what what else what's our what's our option like defect where are we going is there somewhere that's doing it better than us in some ways yeah Sure. There are places with better health care. There are places with better entitlement or there are places where probably the quality of living is higher. The standard of living is higher. I actually know that for sure. And yet I'm just I'm not I'm not leaving and I don't think you are either. And I know a lot of people want to be in this country because it does offer us a certain level of opportunity that is it is uh, second to none. Cause you can come here and do shit and it's it's gonna be hard, but maybe I think perhaps at least at least here you have a shot that maybe it might work. And in other places you might never have that opportunity. But I don't know. I'm all fired up. Listen to me. Just getting after it. Yeah. Come on now. Um, what else? I was in Sacramento this weekend with my wife's family because she had a baby shower, which was incredibly lovely. It was really nice to be in our state capital. Shout out, SACTO. And I, yeah, I, I felt, I, I I, was happy to get away and get out of sort of the rigmarole. I, I, rigmarole, that's a good word. I really need to physically, like, separate myself and pull myself out of my comfort zone because otherwise I can never sort of shut off for a minute, so... Uh, If, you know, Uncle Josh can give you sort of any uh, helpful uh, hints, uh, perhaps uh, some gentle pushing, I would say feel free to sort of get out of your comfort zone for a day, day and a half, two days. You know what I mean? Displace yourself. Invite discomfort. Get out of your normal routine and see how you adapt. And if perhaps that neurosis that that seems to be on a a loop is disrupted by the fact that you don't... You're unfamiliar with what's going on in this new place and there are things to discover and your attention can be directed in other ways. I don't mean to project that on you. Maybe you're different. Maybe you're all better. Maybe I'm the weirdo who you listen to, which says a lot about you, but... Um, that's how my mind works. All right. Have you had enough? Because I've had enough. I feel the need to apologize for my whole rant about voting and whatnot, but I don't think it was like very partisan. It's not partisan in any way. It's just like fucking take charge and, and uh, utilize your civic responsibility. And it it is a wonderful thing that we are endowed with in this country. That I'll be honest. I've not voted before, and I'm trying to do better. Because I'm 31, and I'm going to have a child, and I want to feel as though if there was any small semblance of control or things that I could, um, uh, you know, some change that I could be a part of, that I was using everything um, in my power to do so. Guys, on today's show, Alex Honnold. Heard of him? Well, if you haven't, you're sleeping because Alex Honnold is an American rock climber best known for his free solo ascents of big walls. He's the only person who has free soloed El Capitan in Yosemite National Park and holds the fastest ascent record for many other things, including something that's exciting when my Wikipedia opened. Sorry, I know Alex really well, but I feel the need to like... Like, really, you know, uh, prepare the audience for who they're about to listen to. Because I don't do a lot of backstory in the interviews. Um, Fastest Ascent of the Yosemite Triple Crown, which I've heard is very exciting. Anyway, guys, Alex has a new movie out called Free Solo, which is about him um, conquering El Capitan. El Cap, as his climbers call it, as you'll hear. We like to abbreviate things. Um, The movie is incredible. It's in theaters now. You should see it. It is... So exciting and gives such a, you know, really smart insight into sort of what climbers are like, who Alex is, and sort of this incredible undertaking of, um, you know, climbing a close to a three, yeah, like an insane, I, I'm not going to even tell you how tall El Cap is because I'm not sure, but it's something that is incredibly tall and high and scary, like nah. Chill. I think it's like three thousand feet. Is it three thousand feet? Hold on. I've got. I've got. It's three thousand feet. I should have just stuck with my initial guess. Um. Anyway, Alex did it without a rope. That's what free soloing is. His movie Free Solo is in theaters now. We had an incredible conversation. I'm a big fan of this human. Um. And I'm slightly in awe of him. Go see the movie. Enjoy the podcast. Bye. Here's Alex.
1: I know it was live, and I was like, right. how are people already commenting on Joe Rogan, Mike? If you like, tweet something or whatever? it's how powerful he is. Well, totally. I was like, Jesus Christ. Dude, it's like, they're listening.
0: What's Rogan's setup like? I mean, he's got, like, a compound, right?
1: Yeah, it's like an office. It's like a big, um, it's like a big open building. He has, like, a gym and, you know, bathrooms and, like, a whole deal. Like, a full-on, like, CrossFit gym inside the building type deal. Jesus. I don't know if he CrossFits, but.
0: He's a mecca. He's yeah, like- I
1: mean, he had a werewolf in the opening in the lobby. The lobby's is like a huge open space and then, right, you know, and then like the actual place you're doing the podcast, there's like his, I like guess, producer with like tons of monitors, tons of screens around you, a lot going on right. and then like shit all over the table, like weird, you know, except like there was a fucking huge like knife in front of me, you know, stuff like that where you're just like,
0: huh. Interesting. Like, yeah. It's like a, it's a unique scene. He's got, I mean, he's the goal for any podcaster. He's the one. But he, he's
1: almost like beyond podcast though because he because it's like he's more like an empire, you know? Yeah Or like he says the Joe Rogan experience.
0: Did he try it's to like, get you to smoke weed like you know? No, Musk? no, he's, a, <laughs> no,
1: he's a, on uh, Sober October. Right. He hasn't drank a uh, smoke pot for a month.
0: Yeah, and he's doing all that crazy like physical challenge shit and mm-hmm. but it you know, I will say and I know that he's sort of a, a self-proclaimed pot smoker but with Elon Musk it did seem slightly like a setup Like, you know what I mean? Well, I don't know. So I
1: did this podcast like five years ago or something. Um, I was much younger and much more like, I don't want to say naive, but like had no idea what's going on. You know, it was just like, holy shit. And uh, it was him, his producer, and maybe like two other people in the room. And it was like some random fucking warehouse in the middle of nowhere. I just showed up in my van. Uh Uh-huh. And uh, they just like closed the door. There's no timepiece. It's all like sealed in with no windows. And then they freaking all smoked a ton of fucking weed. And I don't smoke. So I was like, oh, no, that's cool. And then we just started podcasting and it's like, there's no source of time. So I literally had no idea how long it went. It was like two and a half hours by the end. You know, yeah. By the end, I was like, I think I'm exhausted. And <laughs> then you're like, will this ever like finish?
0: You're in a time warp.
1: Yeah, but I mean, honestly, it's like you're surrounded by five days that are all super high probably and they're just like doing their thing. You're like, whoa, this is so epic.
0: I just never had, I had never prior to the Elon Musk of it all had seen him like with a blunt ready to go. <laughs> you know, well, I
1: think that they maybe just keep that under the desk, you know? Right. Like, I don't know, because the one time I was there, everyone got f- f- super fucking stoned. Yeah,
0: baked. Yeah. I could not do this stoned, I don't think. I mean, I'm a sober guy now, but when I used to smoke pot, I was not fit for an in-depth <laughs> conversation. Mm-hmm. Um Dude, thank you for doing this.
1: No, of course. Are we can I keep eating my thing?
0: Yeah, please. Okay. Uh so currently, just to paint the scene, Alex is enjoying a delicious. It looks like, like a nine-grain toast.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, whole wheat with uh with some
0: jelly. I don't know what
1: you call the spread.
0: Yeah, a spread. A marmalade, mm-hmm. perhaps. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I look at you having seen so much of what you do, and I would think like you're above room service.
1: Like Well, no, so the problem is that yesterday, so I am typically above room service, and normally I would just uh, not eat during travel sequences and then just sort of eat when I get there and eat the things that I want. But uh, yesterday I basically traveled all over and at 3 p.m. I was like, I haven't gotten to eat yet. I was like, I literally won't be able to do the things that I'm supposed to do unless I eat at some point. Because it's like my schedule is so crazy. There's no, nobody like builds in meals. Nobody like gets me food. And so I'm just kind of like, I I need to eat. So then this morning I was like, I'm going to get a real meal to start the day. So that if it's crazy for the rest of the day, at least I won't totally die.
0: Do you need a meal straight when you wake up, or can you start your day sort of fasted?
1: No, I, I often, like at home, I would typically not eat for the first several hours. Um, just, I don't know, just because. But um, basically, I just need to eat at some point, you know. <laughs> <It's> like <laughs> I Especially definitely. if I'm going to be like running around and all frantic. And because, and it, or actually, I don't necessarily need to, but, um, but if I want to be perky for, for q you know, I'm showing up and doing events, and I don't want to just show up and be super grumpy. Yes. So it's like I need to do some self-care.
0: But uh, having done something slightly similar to what you're doing now with, like, the media Mm -hmm. junkets Mm -hmm. of it all. And, I mean, it's a complete and utter energy suck. And you don't want to admit it because it's, it's like, Mm -hmm. champagne problems. And yet.
1: Yeah, yeah, totally. (laughs) Champagne problems. I've never heard that, but that is a great way to put it.
0: You know, like, but you going and talking to having three different events a day where you're talking to 100, Mm -hmm. 200 plus people. It's a lot.
1: Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: How is it but it's it's a mental thing, right? Cuz you're the king of physical strenuous things, but what is it?
1: Why why is it so tiring? Yeah. Well, I mean I think the thing that I find tiring about about press tour is just that I think by nature I'm sort of introverted. Like left to my own devices, I could stay in an empty room by myself for the day and feel energized from it. You know, feel like I feel great. So Doing q as after films where you talk to 500 people at a time and take pictures of them and stuff. Like, I don't really mind it. I mean, I like the fact that everyone's psyched. You know, I like the energy. Like, everyone sees the film. They're all fired up. And you're like, oh, it's cool to to be with my people to some extent. You know, it's all climbers who are motivating. Like, that. that's cool. But it doesn't give me energy the way doing something by myself would give me energy. You know, it sort of, like, sucks the life force a little bit. So you just need, like, some time or some kind of adventure by yourself to sort of recharge and... And it's, like, hard to recharge your batteries if you're just, like, hammering out events one after another, you know.
0: It's a fascinating thing, especially in the movie that they talk about early on, is that, you know, you got into this because you were sort of this introverted kid who didn't necessarily have a lot of friends. And it was sort of the natural thing. Or maybe, I don't know. that's the nice way to put it, yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah, the total tweaker that was, like, you know.
0: But that's – but in some respects, like, so now to watch you, this is sort of the antithesis of that, which is, like, you out there in front of millions of people, constantly exposed, constantly have to, like, do that inner relating thing. And being – you know, you're selling this movie. I mean, and you're doing a great job of it. But is that is that a challenge?
1: Uh, yeah. yeah. I mean, that is fair to call that a challenge. Yeah. But, but the thing is, but it's the best kind of challenge, you know. And, and it's not that crazy because uh, – you know, I mean, I have been a professional climber for ten years already, and so I've had degrees of this, never to the scale and never never this magnitude. I'm already two months into a tour that I'm like that has no end in sight. You're just like, whoa, that's a lot. But in the past, I mean I've done like I did a book tour when my book was first published, and that was like a full-on month of, of media. Um, but that's half of what I've already done now, you know. <laughs> but so basically I've had little pieces that sort of train me for it. Like I've done a tour of South America with a with a climbing film tour. Whereas you know a couple of weeks and you're in different cities all over South America and it's total craziness and it's like this big adventure where you're like oh what an opportunity I'm like on an expedition it feels like, but um, this is starting to feel beyond an expedition and more into like a lifestyle you know and <laughs> I'm sort of like oh man that's oh, yeah. a lot that's a lot
0: you might win a fucking Oscar
1: I don't know that's not, I, I I like what I don't even know what that means you know like right. I'm not I'm not even in show business
0: Dom sure there must have been a whisper. Somebody's yeah, no, I mean, people are,
1: people are talking about it, but you're, like, yeah, I mean, I just did some podcast with the Hollywood Reporter, I think, and they're like, oh, you know, it's Oscar contender leading the whatever, and I'm like, dude, I don't know, but the thing is, I mean, I had no, I didn't make the film, you know, so all I did was climb for two years and let them film, and, I mean, it's a great film, they did a great job, but it's not, it's not my baby in the same way, you know.
0: What do you, because the nature of what you do is so, um it's, you know, the, the proof is in, is in the result, right? Like you accomplish something and no one can debate it, right? You did it. You mastered it. It's
1: very clear. yeah.
0: It's a clear win. Whereas like what I do with artistry and whatnot, we have these. So
1: much more subjective. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, It's it's tough.
0: These fucking award shows. Like, what do you think about that in general? So,
1: well, actually the thing that drives me crazy about that and that drives me crazy about awards is that it doesn't necessarily reward hardware. It's so subjective that even if you do your best and try hard and give a great performance, it doesn't. it's not necessarily going to be rewarded, you know? No. And and the thing, and I don't know, I typically try not to measure success by, by sort of arbitrary metrics like that. I, I prefer to measure success sort of through effort or through the process, like, oh, I've put in all the work, I've done all this effort, like, I'm growing as a climber, like, I'm improving as a climber, and that's good enough. But when you measure it through awards or, like, weird accolade-type ceremonies, that's, like, way too arbitrary because then even if you're doing everything right it doesn't necessarily mean that it'll ever be recognized and so you just don't want to place your success in that right I don't know it's just a weird yeah no I mean I've been thinking about that stuff because as the film does well I'm so I have to remind myself that I'm like it doesn't really matter because I mean and from the very beginning I've been telling myself the important thing is that I'm actually a good rock climber or that I try to be a good rock climber or the best climber that I can be because that's you know Yeah, that's what I care about. You know, like, I want to be a good climber. It's like, I definitely don't want to be a movie star. Don't care about... I don't want to say don't care about this lifestyle, because it's cool. You know, I'm grateful for the opportunity, and it's, like, fun to dabble, but I'm like, this is not my world, you know? Like, I want to be in the mountains.
0: And it's fucking... I've had like one or two movies that like this were like just sort of like a unanimous hit that people loved, mm. and there's no better fucking feeling, Alex. Like, <laughs> I mean,
1: I, well, it's different though because it feels amazing if you've worked really hard for that and that's what you wanted. And so certainly for the filmmakers, for for Chai and Jimmy, you know, I mean, they're trying to craft a great film, and so I think for them to have a good reception to their film is super gratifying because you know they've been toiling for two, three years to create this. But I, I mean, I haven't toiled at all. Like I just went climbing for two years. I like, you know, I've just done my thing. And so then it all sort of rolls out and it's like, great success.
0: And I'm like, cool.
1: You know, like it's not, it's not a result of my hard work. It's not a result of my effort. And so it, it it means slightly less to me that way. Well, you're like the
0: actor in the movie because. Well, no, (laughs) but it's
1: even different than that because an actor tries, you know, like an actor is trying to put, make a good performance. I was literally just living. Like all I cared about was climbing all Cap. Yes. And and trying to maintain a good relationship with my girlfriend and, and just trying to live the best life I can. I mean, whatever, you know, call it whatever you want. But I definitely wasn't trying to perform in any way. Like right. I wasn't working for the film. I was just living my life and they just documented it.
0: But it is interesting because like as an actor for a film, you sort of enter into this thing. And maybe you have a month or two. Maybe if you're like DiCaprio, you live with something for a year because you're developing it. But like – Does he a,
1: actually do that? Is that a thing? I would is that say, method acting?
0: I think, well, some of it, like Daniel Day Lewis. Yeah, I,
1: I've heard the super intense.
0: Dude, my friend was in There Will Be Blood and had a question for him for Daniel like two months before they started filming. And he's like, So I called Daniel Day Lewis and I said, Is Daniel there? And they said, let, let me put him on. And all of a sudden he kind of gets on the phone. He's like, Oh, hello? Like, doing the voice of Daniel Plainview, like, I'll, I'll see you on set. All right, see you then. And he was like, we're two months out, Daniel. Like, what is happening? <laughs>
1: That's awesome.
0: Like, I heard that even on set, when he would, like, want to go to his trailer, but he didn't know how to say it because there are no trailers in 1910. <laughs> like, and they're on a movie set. He'd be like, oh, I'm I'm going to go away now. And he would just, you know, disappear into his trailer. Yeah. That's like that's
1: pretty next level.
0: Fucking commitment.
1: It's funny. I, I occasionally switch into Batman voice just to like play with my girlfriend. Just <laughs> like yeah. play around. Where you're like, oh, you know, um, it drives her absolutely insane. Which is why it's kind of fun. Solid. But I, I can't. I can't imagine maintaining that for so long, <laughs> dude. You know, you do it for like a couple hours, and you're like, oh, that's so funny, but.
0: But much to your point, what I've heard about Daniel Day Lewis and kind of what you talk about in the film is that he. He works that hard so that on the day when he's filming, nothing is scary.
1: Yeah, and it feels totally normal.
0: It feels – because he's put that work in. Yeah. and so well, he
1: is that person now.
0: Yeah. And yeah. like – so for him to enjoy the process of making the movie, he's got to put in that six months of fucking insane work. No, that, I, I
1: mean, I can see that too because then it's no longer pretending for the camera. You're like living. It's deeply intense. I mean – not that I'd ever be an actor, but I, I could see that being my preferred process as well. Yeah. Just because then, yeah, no matter what happens, you're in it. And you're just doing the thing. And, and it I, seems way more satisfying in some ways. It's like yeah. you actually live different worlds.
0: You got to be is he married and... or
1: anything. I wonder how is. I wonder how he deals. He or how is his family married. deals.
0: But he. Uh, I mean, imagine he...
1: Is he, if he has little kids. <laughs> and they're like, Daddy's really
0: scary. <laughs> That's terrifying. I don't uh, know if he has kids, but I know he quit. He's done with acting. Oh yeah. Huh. Well, we'll see. Huh. But like, in his mid fifties, and three Oscars later, he's like, "I he's think won I'm three good. Oscars." I think so. Wow, wow,
1: yeah. that's commitment, huh? Yeah, <laughs> that's that's pretty legit. Last of the Mohicans is is an amazing movie. <laughs> it's fucking good. <laughs> I've got the soundtrack on my phone. I listen to it all the time.
0: He crushes that you shit. Know,
1: every time I hear half the songs, it makes me want to like run uphill carrying a six foot musket. You know, just like ah, it's like pretty amazing film.
0: <laughs> it's funny because I'll do like some, you know. Uh you know, like I recently did an episode of Fuller House. No big deal. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and like I'll do that and be terrified at like three pages of doing like sitcom sticky acting. Yeah. And like just to think that Daniel Day-Lewis is fucking like learning how to refill a musket while running at a full clip for Last of the Mohicans.
1: Well, you know, he's a man's man. Yeah. Well,
0: that's, that's why he is where he is. Yeah. Yeah, that's
1: fair. <laughs> well, he's probably at home chilling now, you know. <laughs> yeah. yeah. He's say where he is, but he's probably like, oh, I'm over it. Uh,
0: but no. I I did identify that in the movie a lot, which was you talking about, like, all this preparation, like, so that on the day it's no longer scary. Like, I've yeah. literally done this a hundred yeah, times. Yeah, so there's
1: no uncertainty. There's no doubt. Like, nothing, nothing comes up that you never thought of before. You know, you're not like, oh,
0: I never expected that. Right. No, and is that pretty uniform? Like, nothing ever comes up when you... When you attempt these huge sort of undertakings, well, so
1: so I've never prepared for anything nearly as much as I prepared for El Cap. Um, So most of the big solos that I've done in my life um, have been more adventurous to some degree. You know, I've I've maybe done a day or two of work and then I've sort of let it simmer for a while and then been like, all right, I'm just doing it and then I just do it. Um, And so there are often there have often been slightly more surprising things where you're like, oh, jeez, I didn't see that coming. But I kind of knew that with El Cap, it was such a big challenge for me. It was just such a big wall. But it's just so intimidating that I didn't think that I could get away with that. And I didn't really want to, you know? I'm, I'm, I don't know. I'm kind of tired of being scared of things. You know, like, y- yeah, you just don't want to, like, get away with things. You want to do them well. And so, yeah.
0: Do you... I- you sort of intimate this, but are you, do you truly know every hold as it's coming up? Like, are you that aware of every, are you seeing it so, two steps ahead?
1: Um, yeah, so I know all the holds that matter. I mean, they're big sections of the root that are just so easy that, um, or like a splitter crack, meaning like just a completely straight line, uniform size crack. So you're just doing the same thing over and over. You just jam your hands in it. Um. So they're big sections that you don't necessarily need to know every single move. It doesn't matter if it's like left hand first or right hand first, because it's just a two inch crack. It's it's really easy regardless. But um, all the things that matter, I definitely knew. And and even on the easy pitches, so like 100 feet of pretty easy climbing, um, I typically would know, say, the six feet that are the hardest. I'd be like, oh yeah, that you grab with your left hand, that you stand up on your foot. You know, so basically I knew all the hard parts. Um, have you climbed at all or anything?
0: No, I mean, you know, when I was a kid, I'd go to climbing gyms. Oh, cool. Yeah. Well, that's,
1: I mean, that's something. Yes. But so have you ever bouldered in the gym? Like, do you know the difference between bouldering and like root climbing?
0: Yes. Yeah, so bouldering
1: being like the hard, small, like without a rope. The It's like, in some ways, bouldering is distilling down the difficult part of a climb. A boulder problem is just, you know, say six or eight moves and not like a big cliff. But so basically on all the all the sections of El Cap, you break it into pitches. Each pitch is sort of a rope length, so each is about 100 feet long. So it's a 30-pitch route, and then each pitch I would know at least the key boulder problems, you know, like the six or eight moves that are the hardest. Right. So basically the whole mountain to me is boiled down to, you know, 35 different boulder problems that I remember. But
0: And when you're sort of in, in that moment, like when you're beginning any great sort of climb, undertaking, when does it start to suck, like physically? Like <laughs> when does your body start going like, ah, oh, fuck?
1: No, I mean, on, on that, it never did. Uh, when I got to the top, I was so amped. I was like, oh, I could do it again. I'm so fired up. And, and then uh, <clears throat> when I got down, I was doing some interviews uh, afterward. And I was just like, oh, I feel amazing. I feel so strong. It was so great. Like, I could just go and do another lap right now. Because I'd, like, worked so hard for it. And it kind of, like, felt so good to actually climb it. I was kind of like, let's do it again. But then... Um, as you see in the film, I trained that afternoon because I was sort of on this every other day program and I was like, oh, this is the other day I, I should train. And so then when I did my training, my normal training session, uh, the, basically the numbers that I were doing reflected that I was actually pretty tired. <laughs> you know, it's kind of like, oh, even though I'm so fired up and so excited, I was like, objectively, I just can't hang as long as I'm supposed to because I'm, obviously I'm quite fatigued from having free solo cap this morning. Uh, and you're so, pooped.
0: As yeah, you, exactly.
1: Yeah, exactly. I was pooped. We yeah. don't get we don't get enough pooped yeah. Yeah. in
0: this day and age. It's a refreshing, uh, it's a refreshing word. Yeah. Do you... Is that
1: uncommon? You don't say pooped. Not I enough. I use it all the time. I love Maybe it. Maybe you don't get pooped enough. Poop. Right. Yeah. You should have jogged here.
0: I gotta be pushing myself. <laughs> Fuck. I do wonder when someone is has excellence in. In a mastery of something physical, like I interviewed Laird Hamilton.
1: Yeah, I saw that. That's awesome.
0: Ah, oh, man, what a <laughs> yeah, dream. He's the man. <laughs> and I wonder if for like people like him and you, and of course you guys are like the most Zen respectful people, but I wonder if you guys look at, at the world or or people's physical specimen and you think like, ah, oh, you like you weakling, <laughs> like you baby well, no, man.
1: No, no, definitely, definitely not that. <laughs> but I do often sort of you're like, huh. You know, like how how did it get to that, you know, or like, yeah, or just, I don't know. Yeah. It's interesting because, I mean, I've put so much stock into my physicality, I guess, for my whole life. You know, like I've put so much effort into maintaining, I don't want to say maintaining my physique because it's not about like looking good, but it's about being able to perform. And and that has mattered so much to me for so long. It's it's really hard for me to imagine other people's lives where where they perhaps put no effort into their body for years. Um, You know, you're just like, huh. I don't know. Yes. I don't know. I mean, I, I, for me, it always comes, I always think of the human animal. It's like, you know, at, at the core, we're all just animals living on this earth. And so I feel like any human should be able to, you know, sprint a mile if they have to, or like run, you know, and jump and like do basic motions of an animal, you know, or like not eat for a day, you know, or not have you know, artificial stimulants or depressants or whatever, you know, like, the ups and downs that people use where it's like, oh, I get out of bed and I pound a Red Bull and then at night I take a bunch of sleeping pills to go back to sleep and you're sort of like, whoa, that is a lot of weird stuff to get you up and down. Like, yeah, I feel like humans should be able to live like an animal to some extent where they can just lay out and sleep and, like, eat if they want to, not eat if they don't have opportunity. You know what I mean? Like, it's... I don't know. Yes, it's been interesting.
0: But do you think like, do you also look at someone like, because your body is so functional. And I remember I I was doing this movie once and I got to train with Navy SEALs, like proper Navy SEALs. (laughs) Not like, Hollywood yeah, yeah. but guys who literally were like, Yeah, I just got off my last tour three months ago. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I was like, You are real men and I live in your shadow, sir. Um, <laughs> <laughs> sir, yeah.
1: You did learn something.
0: But like what I was amazed by is that these guys were super fit, but their bodies were completely functional. Mm-hmm. like there was nothing there was no vanity there's nothing
1: ornamental yeah exactly. they they didn't have popping muscles but they could hike for 15 miles with a heavy bag and then lay down and not eat for the whole night and like, yeah exactly what do no, you no, think you of
0: that uh, other side of things no that, I mean
1: that's exactly what I'm describing I mean that's the human animal where it's like if you can toil with a big load if you know yeah functional fitness if you can just do if you can work
0: yeah you know? But what do you think of those like yoked out, perfectly chiseled guys that probably couldn't fucking lift their body weight if if they're like. Oh, I don't know. I mean, I
1: mean, it still looks impressive. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, it's you very know, attractive. when I watch movies and you see, uh, you know, the leading man like rip off his shirt and just like, whoa, he is so jacked. You know, I mean, I'm still impressed by that, but um, I just assume they must be really, really strong. I don't know. Um, yeah, I, yeah, it's hard to know. I I went to try to get a smoothie yesterday, but then there was like the, they, their outlet had blown out or I don't know. But so I was at some fitness thing and I'm I'm here in West Hollywood. So it was like, there were so many extremely yoked men sort of loitering around the entrance of this gym that I was like, Oh, whoa, like this is so next level. It's just, it's funny because climbing emphasizes, you know, leanness and you know, it's all strength to weight ratio. So you don't often want to get stronger. You often just want to be lighter basically because you know it's always a balance of whether or not it's easier to to be stronger or just to be less strong and have less weight and so you're always sort of balancing that and you wind up like relatively lean and then you see people who just live in a gym and you're like wow you definitely don't emphasize leanness like you know some of these dudes arms are bigger than my legs
0: oh my god and it looks so good on instagram with the right (laughs) filter jesus
1: yeah but then in real life it's maybe slightly unnerving you know you're just like whoa that's
0: a bit much Every bodybuilder I've ever seen breathes incredibly unhealthily heavily. <laughs> like, you mean the, <sighs> yeah. There's just a, and I'm like, there's, because some- their
1: chest is toiling under the pound of 35 pe- pound pecs, you know? Yeah. Can you imagine? Dude. Their lungs are like trying to push against all that muscle.
0: It's so hectic. I was, I was really into CrossFit for a couple of years, and then I was bench pressing and I uh, tore my pec oh. off my fucking body, like off my arm. And that was my last day of CrossFit. Wow. Yeah. So that's a lot of bench pressing, dude. No shit, two twenty. No big deal. Whatever. Don't write me on Twitter, guys.
1: (laughs) I'm like two twenty. That it's It's not not great. (laughs) I was like, "How tall are you?"
0: I'm like just about six feet.
1: Yeah. Okay. Yes. About. I'm like five eleven plus. Also, kind of same. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Okay. But yeah, man, I can't imagine lifting two twenty. I I think I could probably bench like one forty, maybe like maybe almost body weight, like close to body weight, probably. Actually, it's hard to it say I've been doing a ton of push-ups and core stuff during this whole press tour. So um, so I'm probably in the best pushing shape I've ever been in, but I, I never touch weights, so I don't know.
0: How many push-ups straight could you do?
1: Mm, I haven't been doing that. I've been, uh, I've been trying to make them harder. I've been doing sort of timed interval stuff. Mm. So instead of just doing more reps, I've been uh, doing push-ups like way out in front of me, like Superman style, and then, and then some like way below me, like planche push-ups. Like in theory, if I was strong enough, your feet could come off the ground. You know, you could just be doing just on your arms.
0: Oh, yeah, like those Russian acrobats. Yeah, exactly. That that type of
1: stuff. So I've been trying to make them harder, but fewer reps.
0: Do you, and then what about, have you ever done like unassisted pull ups, like as many as you can do? Have you ever tested yourself? In my life,
1: I mean, I could probably do like 30 or 35 or something. Straight. Yeah. Fingertips? Uh, Fewer on a finger to fingertips for sure.
0: That's an unbelievable part of the movie when you're just hanging from your fucking tips. Yeah,
1: well that's that's a pretty standard way that climbers train. I mean, that's the only way to isolate your fingers. You would isolate your forearms, basically, to train your forearms.
0: Um, and there's, never, there's no steroids or, like, human growth hormone no. in the climbing community, right? Well,
1: no. Uh, I mean, there's no drug testing or anything. So, I, you know, in a lot of ways, I, I wouldn't even necessarily judge somebody who was taking testosterone or HGH or something because, you know, it's kind of your body, and if, if it's going to... If, if you want to, you know, I'm like powered, you know, I don't know. Yeah. Like I've, I've never even considered, I mean, I don't even do drugs, like recreational drugs. I'm definitely not going to take like hardcore body affecting. Cause a lot of that stuff, I mean, taking HGH might be great for your recovery and your performance, but then if you ever stop taking it, then, you know, your body has stopped to produce, stopped producing it naturally. And then you sort of crash and it's all a disaster.
0: Doesn't it but, speed up cancer?
1: I mean, probably. Probably, right? Yeah. I mean, it's speeding everything up, I think.
0: Or like, and then you get like the brow. I feel like it kind of extends your brow, or like gives you like long elbows or some shit.
1: Yeah, I, I don't know. I once saw some uh, uh, stats. I was reading something back. Uh, you know the major league baseball doping stuff, like back in the day. Yeah. Um, I was reading this these this little statistical sidebar about Barry Bonds, and it was like when he entered the league in like 1986 or whatever. And then it showed his numbers for, like, his neck size, his cap size, his, like, chest, whatever. It was, like, all the things. Like, if you tailored a suit, you know, it was, like, here are his numbers. And then it was, like, these are his numbers in, like, 2001 or whenever, you know, it was all going down. And, like, his cap size had grown by several inches. His neck was, like, six inches bigger. Like, his whole body was way bigger. Yeah. And you're just, like... You know, I don't know anything about drug use really, but I was like, that is crazy. And like, I don't know what he was taking or if he was taking that much, but I was like, I don't think that a human body, you know, because when he entered the league, he was already like 22 or something. And so, you know, obviously he wasn't full grown, but at the same time, you don't expect somebody's head to double in size. It's <laughs> like, terrifying. Like, yeah. I was like, whoa, he's like a giant, you know?
0: I, I can't tell you how many young, I don't know a lot, but like, I know there are definitely and some famous like young male actors who are on that human growth hormone hmm. and that shit works because like when they look incredibly chiseled like that they are getting a little help from the needle and god bless them and i'm jealous but it terrifies me. yeah
1: well god bless them i mean they're i mean they're basically just sacrificing part of their future for the present and you're sort of like yeah you know i mean if they're willing to make that that sacrifice and you know or make that trade-off i'm sort of like you know power to them if they need to look great for this role and then someday they're gonna you know give that up and hopefully take better care of their body and, you know, raise a family or something, you're like, cool, that's the choice they make. You just don't want somebody doing that thinking that that's, that's their future. You right. Know? Because you're like, you're definitely sacrificing your health.
0: Yeah, but there's, there. yeah, you're not, there's, uh, there're no free rides.
1: Yeah, totally. I mean, w- with climbing and, and uh, with sports like gymnastics, I mean, there's that, that perilous line between trying to maintain strength to weight and then getting into eating disorders and like unhealthy obsession with weight and things like that. And it's interesting because... You know, I mean, some people, I mean, so a lot of climbers will intentionally shed a lot of weight to try to send their project to try to like finish this big climb they're working on. Um, because basically you can only train to a certain point, And then if you're like, I can't do it, but if you were five pounds lighter, maybe you could, you know, at some point you just, and, and so sometimes that makes sense. But the thing is, if you live your whole life that way, then you're into this really unhealthy terrain where you're really sacrificing your long-term health for the sake of your climbing performance. And it's, I mean, it's hard to balance that stuff, like when when it's worth it for a project that you care enough about to be like, okay, I'm not going to eat for a couple of days. I've never actually done that because I don't quite climb that way. But, um, but yeah, I don't know. I mean, I've definitely seen friends where they're like, oh, you know, all I ate was a carrot for dinner. And you're sort of like, man, I'd- that's... Uh, yeah,
0: I, I couldn't imagine. But then, how do you like? I I I remember watching your fuel that you did for Rice, yeah, 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 and and in watching the doc as well. And what I'm always fascinated by are these like incredibly simple, delicious meals you seem to create in your van. And I remember in fuel, it was like some beautiful mac and cheese, a little spinach, a little bell pepper in there. And I'm like, he needs those calories, but it didn't seem like you were sparing yourself from you know, eating a pretty dense no, meal. No,
1: I've, I've always I've always eaten a fair amount, for sure. Yeah. But th- partially, though, that's because I've always been the type of climber that climbs really big mountains and big routes, and uh, I'm sort of like an adventure climber. I'm sort of at, like, the ultra-running end of the spectrum, you know, or like a high volume of climbing, so I kind of need some, some heft to me. Yeah, some reserve. Um, yeah, whereas a lot of my friends who are more, you know, elite sport climbers, pre- example they're only climbing say a 50 foot cliff they don't have to be able to climb big mountains on command and so you know they can afford to be really really hungry you know i often joke that uh, you know they just need somebody to carry them up to the crag like to have somebody carry them to the cliff because the hike is too tiring but then once they get there they only have to climb some 50 foot overhanging cave or something and then you know no matter how hungry you are, you just pull onto the rock and you're like, ah, and you just do it. And then you're like, okay, carry me back to the car and get me some sustenance. <laughs> right.
0: <You> know, but <laughs> what's your major, what do you think you eat most of in your life? Like your oh, major source of nutrition?
1: I mean, I eat a lot of fruit. Um, if, if I had to just break it down my categories, uh, I don't know. I eat a lot of fruit because I mean, every day I, I, I tend to eat an apple and a bell pepper, a banana, things like that. Like every day just as normal snacks bell peppers are fruit just in case is it yeah yeah but curious listeners along with tomatoes things like
0: that enjoy these facts you know what i'm saying we're out here trying to educate the world god bless alex for coming through with the knowledge yeah bell peppers are fruit yeah dude so it's an avocado (laughs) it's gonna fuck up my day Mm. i don't know how i'm gonna recover from that Mm -hmm. that's
1: uh, well because the you know a fruit is the seed bearing part of the plant whereas the vegetables the plant itself Right. That's the so if it's bearing seeds, it's a fruit. Wow. I'm dropping that like with 100% confidence, but it, I probably you know feel 95. I'm sure somebody listening has a much better sense of of <laughs> the difference Google between fruits that. and vegetables. Don't
0: just take a word for it. No, 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 no if they it. Google
1: it, then they'll they'll see that's right. Yes. But I'm sure if someone's an actual plant biologist, they're like, well, technically, you know, right. Then yeah. The intricacies. Yeah. yeah exactly.
0: And then what do you?
1: No, think about that with avocados. Avocados are fruits. And they're, you know, the big pit is the seed. And they're basically, they're, I mean, they're, they've evolved in parallel with things like mammoths and like elephants, like big full-size animals that would eat an avocado like a normal piece of fruit and then poop the pit out. Isn't that kind of amazing to think about? Hectic. Yeah, think of like a mammoth just like grazing through like eating eating avocados.
0: I just can't believe that a mammoth and I probably both love avocados <laughs> the same.
1: Yeah. We yeah,
0: both I... appreciate how delicious they are. I know. Elephants
1: are very smart creatures though, so they have good taste.
0: <laughs> what do you, do you have any indulgences? Because I feel like. Oh
1: yeah, I, <laughs> yeah, sweets. What's your thing? Oh, uh, like I love, you know, cookies and just sweets. Um, yeah, chocolate.
0: Um, so you, and how, how often will you give into that?
1: Uh, it depends on how seriously I'm, how motivated I am. Um, like for the six months before I free sold at all Cap, uh, I basically didn't eat dessert at all. Um, even though even when I'm off dessert, I typically eat dark chocolate, like dark dark, like eighty five percent type chocolate. Shit is bitter. Well, it, I get used. to it. I'm pretty into it, really? but um, but it's enough though that I feel like I'm doing something indulgent. But the the ratio of fat to sugar, it's basically all fat with hardly any sugar, so it's not really a dessert in the the way, you know, it's not like binging on sweets. Yeah. And so, you know, for me, that's a really healthful way to maintain maintain my program. You know, <laughs> because I feel like I'm you know like oh I did something nice and I'm happy, but you know, because if I just don't do any sweets at all or any dessert at all, then then at some point I crumble and I just eat like a whole thing of cookies or something.
0: Yeah, it's done. Yeah, I'm not good. I mean, I'm a sober guy, and so like you know, I gave up drugs and alcohol, and then I've also lost a hundred pounds. A so, hundred? Yeah, dude. Dude, <laughs> I was. That's, that's I pretty was legit. A he- I was a heavier human for yeah, most yeah. of my life. Yeah, legit. So obviously I have – I overindulge in things to (laughs) keep the voices away. But I remember that when I was – I had been training for a movie and they were like, we really need you to get fit and probably – because I probably walk around 15 pounds heavier than where I'd be my fittest. Mm -hmm. And having to completely shrink down sort of what I was eating and control it, it was emotionally very challenging. Was it? Yeah, because I think I live, for better or for worse, every couple of days of that, like, reward-based system of food. Like, huh. something like, ah, you know, just a nice little dessert at the end of a meal, perhaps yeah, a yeah. McFlurry on the drive home. Oh. I don't need to tell you my personal life, <laughs> <eye> Alex. <balance. laughs> yeah,
1: I was like, oh, McFlurry. <laughs> oh, that's, tactic. No, that's bad, that's bad, yeah.
0: Dude, so bad.
1: I think, I think that I'm sort of aided by the fact that I also have relatively simple taste. Mm. Um, like, I just like actual foods. You know, like, eating a bell pepper gives me, like, as much joy. I eat bell peppers like an apple all the time. You just eat them. And um, actually, I think in the film, I eat a bell pepper on top of the root. I think you can see it. I think I'm holding a bell pepper. Oh, yeah. But, um, yeah. But, um, you know, I, th- I think having the simple taste like that. And, and just because I typically live in the mountains, I'm sort of eating more groceries and, and fewer restaurants. Like, I'm just not around drive throughs or things like, you know, that's just not an option. And so I think it's easier to eat relatively well and, I don't know, be a little more intentional about food choices.
0: And do you? Because I'm interested when people are dedicated to a certain level of excellence and and performance, as you talk about mm. in the doc. And it was funny because watching your episode of Fuel, you were climbing with your buddy who didn't seem as though <laughs> had he
1: wasn't quite as disciplined. Yeah, as
0: disciplined. <laughs> and you and he talks about you give him shit for it and like. But I'm always fascinated. Like, is it hard for you to see other people not quite holding themselves to the same standard that you hold yourself?
1: No, I mean, maybe, uh, I think maybe as I've gotten older, I'm more relaxed about that kind of stuff. I mean, so it's it's interesting living with my girlfriend. Um, so Sonny is way more inclined to eat dessert after every meal and she's- Love it. Yeah, no, yeah, <laughs> I mean, she's, a, she's much more normal than me, you know, she's much happier. She just like does what she wants to do and she, you know. Yeah, and doesn't regret it. You know, like she can eat dessert, be like, "That was delicious. I'm very happy," and then not like hate herself for it later, being like, "I shouldn't have had dessert. Now I need to train." You know, she's not like a tweaker. A lot of climbers, I weird myself included, have have issues like that. Where you're like, "Oh, I ate this dessert." But now I'm so annoyed that, you know, I probably shouldn't have. Maybe I should train harder. Oh, you know, that yeah. kind of, like, weird.
0: Actors, same know.
1: way. Yeah, I'm sure.
0: Yeah, we but, out um, here.
1: But so Sonny has a nice, healthy relationship with it. And she's also just so much better at moderation where she's like, I ate half a cookie. and That made me very happy, and now I'm done. Whereas I would eat all the cookies and then be like, oh, what have I done? You know, and and that's why I just typically wouldn't buy cookies so they're not around. You know, but she's really good at, like... Having her three squares of chocolate and calling it good, whereas I'm like, I will eat the whole bar yeah. and then walk over to the store and get more. You know, yeah. If one They're is like, good,
0: a thousand is. Yeah, exactly, better.
1: exactly. Yeah, like I have a very unhealthy mentality with a lot of that stuff, which is, I think, why I've never been into drugs or alcohol because I think it might be, uh, it might not be great for me.
0: Never <laughs> tried.
1: No, never, never, basically never tried. No, interest. I had like I had an edible gummy thing once um, that somebody gave me that. Um, you know, basically I've, I've like had a drug experience and was kind of like, nah, you know, I don't really get it. And, uh, and I've tried sips of most alcohols, you know, I've had like a sip of wine, a sip of whatever. Um, and just like, yeah, I'm not into it. But I think with a lot of those things you have to overcome the initial, cause I think initially it's like not that sweet, great. You know, it's like, no, I
0: don't wine think tastes anybody, like sweat.
1: Yeah, exactly. Nobody, nobody taste the beer for the first time, I was like, that is delicious, I want to chug, you know? It's like, I think it's kind of an acquired taste, and I've just never bothered to acquire it, because I'm like, that will not be good for me.
0: It's fascinating for me to know guys who are sober now, who talk about early on, and these are guys that have decades of sobriety under their belt, but they talk about as kids that their first sort of foray into trying alcohol was when they were sick, and their mom would make them like an old-fashioned concoction of a little bit of whiskey, honey, and hot water. Be- Is that a thing? Yeah. It was like because huh. these guys are in their sixties, so that means that their parents were, you know, probably yeah, born yeah. in the twenties. Yeah. And that was like It's like a
1: different world, yeah.
0: Yeah. Or it was uh I don't know, what what would you call it? Like uh, uh, you know, old school. <laughs> you yeah, know, yeah, yeah. but and it was sort of like because you know they probably weren't readily, um, didn't readily have cough syrup yeah, or yeah, any yeah, that yeah, of that stuff. So they were like, "Here's a little numbing."
1: I'm just gonna put my kid down. Take the edge <laughs> off out with the whiskey. Yeah, feel huh. better.
0: Hey, y'all, it's me, Josh Peck, and I know you were just listening to me, Josh Peck, but a different Josh Peck. This Josh Peck is trying to sell you something. Why? Because that's how the world works. So buckle up. Care of. What is it? Care of is a monthly subscription vitamin service that delivers completely personalized vitamin and supplement packs right to your door. And listen, you want to have like a specialized little supplement vitamin delivery that's like perfect for you? That's funny because Care/of's fun online quiz asks you about your diet, health goals, and lifestyle choices and takes only five minutes to find out what vitamins and supplements you specifically need. 90% of people fall short of FDA-recommended guidelines for at least one vitamin or nutrient. Not me. I mean, I'm perfect. Like, you know, I just wake up and I'm ready to go. But, you know, for everyone else, just kidding. Take care of quiz and get the vitamins you need to get back on track and reach your health goals. I got to be honest, guys. The quiz, it's easy, baby. And it's good to know that I'm getting very specific things because vitamins, supplements, it's intimidating. You know, you go into those health stores and you... You see, it's just racks on racks on racks of all these, uh, they got funny names, and there's uh, something's from a plant, and another thing's derived from algae, and you're like, what do I do here? And that's why Care Of is so great, because it gives me a little quiz, and all of a sudden, I'm getting the perfect thing for me. Anyway, let's get excited. For 25% off your first month of personalized care of vitamins, visit takecareof.com and enter PEC. That's 25% off your first month of personalized care of vitamins. Visit takecareof.com and enter PEC. It's going to be really great. I'm excited for you. Your monthly subscription box can be easily modified at any time. Vegan and vegetarian supplement options available to match your dietary needs. Care of, baby. Do it. Take care of.com and enter PEC. 25% off your first month. Come on. Who are you? We know that somewhere in the world someone downloaded this podcast, but we don't know anything about you. The people who support this show would love to know just a little bit about who is listening. If you have two minutes, it really does only take two minutes. Help us make the show an even better experience for you by telling us more about yourself. Just go to ListenerQ, L-I-S-T-E-N-E-R-Q dot com slash curious and take the short survey. You can also give us direct feedback on the show, which we would love to hear. And as a thank you, you'll be entered into a drawing for a $100 Amazon gift certificate. Yeah. Two minutes. ListenerQ dot com slash curious. That's ListenerQ slash curious. You've been injured, so have you ever had to take any opiate, like no, a Vicodin? No, I've never taken
1: painkillers. Never touched it? I don't think so. so um, I mean, I think I got my wisdom teeth out once, and I think they, they gave me something at the time, but um, but I've never actually, like, taken... I've never filled a prescription or taken pills, you know? Really? Yeah.
0: Did you just... Weren't interested in...
1: No, I just... Well, also, I'm sort of like... I've always felt like pain... I mean, not to... Yeah, I've just always felt like pain is sort of a signal that, like, something is wrong, and... I want that. You know what I mean? Like I should be feeling pain because if something's injured, I want to know that it's injured. Yeah. Like, I mean, I felt that on a smaller scale with climbing injuries, like if you pull a finger, like if you pull a tendons in your fingers, it's not that uncommon. So it'd be easy to take a bunch of ibuprofen, like tape it up really tight and climb anyway. And you'd be like, oh, it's kind of fine. But then obviously you're going to be doing more damage to yourself because you can't feel the damage that you're doing. Yeah. It's better to just feel the pain and then let that be a guide to like not hurt yourself further.
0: Do but, you – because in, in the movie you <clears throat> take a fair amount of ibuprofen.
1: Well, so I was doing that um, for my ankle injury, and that I was doing more for the swelling, not for the pain. Because, like, ibuprofen, you know, is, uh, it actually does reduce swelling. And so, yeah, it was mostly just, like, trying to help it heal. Yeah. But, yeah, I don't know. I mean, yeah, I'm not really into pain meds or... Um... It's probably yeah. for the best.
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: I mean, also because in some ways my life is, is pretty peaceful in general. And so it's sort of like if something hurts, just chill, you know? Or like, oh, if I'm having a hard time sleeping or something, then it's like just read my book for a bit and then go to bed later. Like my schedule is pretty open and I'm sort of able to to do whatever I need to to like feel healthy. Right. And so, I don't know, I mean, I could see if you're like living a – a, a life that's more dictated by a schedule, you know, like a more routine, like in a city where you have to be up at certain times, you have to go to sleep at certain times. And it's all sort of more dictated by other people's whims than I could see using the artificial uppers and downers and things to sort of like help you conform to a schedule. But I'm sort of just like, oh, if, you know, if, if I'm tired, I'll just sleep later. You know, I'll just close it up nice and dark in my room. And I'm just, yeah, it's fine.
0: That is such a you blessing. Know.
1: I know it kind of is. It's it is. Like, I never, I haven't really appreciated it because it's the way I've lived for like ten years. It's just normal, and that's the way a lot of climbers live because you're just sort of, you know, climbing. I mean, if you wake up and you're like, oh, I kind of feel terrible today, you just go back to bed and you don't climb. You know, it's like not a not necessarily a big problem. You just climb the next day.
0: Oh, I feel like people live their entire life dreaming that, like, uh, my schedule is similar to that, where it's like, if I want to, I don't sleep late, but. I really don't want to be up before 8 a.m. most yeah, days. Yeah, like, I
1: hear you. Right? And it was funny. Was so scheduling, scheduling this chat, it was funny because I was like, oh, yeah, you can come anytime in the morning. But then I was like, man, the idea of being up at 7 seems like pretty grim, doesn't it? Yes. And then I was like, it's funny, though, because for the six months I was preparing a free solo cap, I was up at, not for the full six months, but for the two months I was in Yosemite, I was getting up at 4.30 like pretty much every day.
0: And why um, is that?
1: It's uh, dictated by the sun because the wall shades itself until 11 a.m., like basically just when the sun tracks across the sky. The part that I was trying to climb is in the shade till 11, and you basically have to do all the climbing in the shade.
0: Because um, once because the sun's it gets down, too hot, it's unbearable.
1: Yeah, or it's not even necessarily unbearable, but it's just lower performance. Like you're suddenly getting cooked by the sun. You just can't climb as well as you can. And then it's also if you get up early, you climb quickly in the shade, you don't need that much water, you don't get that worked, you know, physically you feel pretty good and then you're able to do it again the next day. <coughs> Excuse me. Whereas um, if you get up later, you get cooked in the sun, you're slightly sunburnt, you're dehydrated, you come down and then you're haggard and then you basically have to rest the next day because now you're cooked, you right. know? So it's always better just to get up early even though it sucks and like do the thing and then rest through the afternoon when it's warm and then do it again the next day. And but, but so my point is just that, my schedule is often dictated by nature. You're like, Oh, sunshade. If it's, you know, if the cliff is in the sun in the morning, then I sleep in late and then I go up in the afternoon when it's in the shade, you know, but if the, if it gets, you know, morning shade, then you get up super early and you go climb then, you know, it just totally depends on nature.
0: And then what do you, so climbing El Cap took just under four hours, right? And we don't see in the dock, but are you um, refueling it all throughout this? Yeah, so I
1: had food and water stashed in two places. So, um, uh, which is totally normal, like to stash little things for yourself here and there. And so at one third height and two thirds height, basically I had, you know, maybe a liter of water and and a couple bites of food, just like clipped off to the wall. Oh, really? Yeah, like on on natural ledges where you would normally stop and belay, like at anchors where, where people stop to manage the rope. Um, I just had like a little pouch, you know, clipped off to the bolts.
0: And when, when did you put that in the day before?
1: Well, so the camera guys put it in that morning because it was through places where they were going to have to commute anyway. Um, though, had there been no camera crew, I would have put it there two days before the last time I'd repelled down the route. Um, but there are a lot of things like that where had I been totally by myself, I would have like, say leaving my, my tennis shoes up on top of the route, well, pro shoes, but, uh, but basically my, my normal hiking shoes, uh, you know, I need some on top El Cap to get back down because you climb up in climbing shoes, but you can't walk in climbing shoes. Um, yeah. And, and you can run down barefoot. I probably actually would have just gone down barefoot, but that's like kind of a kind of a hassle. That it hurts sucks. Your feet. Yeah. 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 You're running down three thousand feet barefoot, and it's like it hurts. But um, you know, so normally I would have had a whole stash of shoes on top, but because the camera crew was walking up there all the time, you know, I was able to just put stuff into the camera bags and like let them take it up there for me. Like in in a lot of ways, my whole process was made a lot easier because the the camera guys were were working with me.
0: And yet, it seemed as though I just remember it's so funny, and and it's a testament to the filmmakers of the doc. Because like I knew I watched the movie yesterday. I knew I was coming here to see you today, and that you survived, Alex. And yet I'm in the fucking movie theater, like incredibly uncomfortable. Like oh god, what's gonna happen? And I so didn't blame you. When you initially tried and said ah, it's not right today, it felt like having everyone watching you added such a level of pressure and stakes. And I was like, God, like how could he be expected to climb this thing with everyone out? Like it seemed like you were also carrying yeah, like too much, all yeah. the responsibility of like, and this has got to be a great film for my friends who have invested all this time. Yeah, right? yeah
1: totally. Right. I mean, yeah, to something, and that's certainly. Yeah, that was certainly part of it. I mean, really, though, I I bailed because I just wasn't prepared. You know, it was was basically on me. I just wasn't wasn't quite ready for it. And part of the reason I was trying to climb the route sort of unprepared like that is because the season was ending. I mean, back to just nature. Um, It was the middle of November. It was going to start raining and snowing soon. And so that would just shut down the Yosemite for the season. And so I was kind of like, I felt like I was most of the way there. I was almost prepared enough. Not quite, but it was like in two days it's going to snow, and so either I do it now or I don't this season. So I was like, oh, I may as well at least try. Yeah. You know. And I was kind of hoping I would just get through the bottom. I was much better prepared on the top than I was on the bottom. So I was like, oh, if I can just kind of squeak my way through the bottom, then I'll be fine for the top. But then I got into the bottom and was like, I'm not, I'm not into this. You know? And so then I bailed, which was definitely the right decision. But, um, but, yeah, I mean, the pressure, the filmmaking, the or just even living with Sonny in the van, you know, there are a lot of things that sort of made that all feel a bit more, you know, complicated or heavy. But, I mean, ultimately, it just came down to not being prepared for it. And then when I came back in the spring, I mean, basically, everything was the same. I mean, I still had – you know, I was still in a great relationship with Sonny. The, the film crew was still making a movie. Like, basically, all the conditions are basically the same. But it was much easier for me to deal with it all because I felt so much more comfortable with what I was trying to do because I was so much better prepared and better trained. And also, my ankle injury had healed, and I was able to use my ankle normally. And so, know, yeah, it was all just – I was just in a better position.
0: It it makes so much sense to me too because I do like these college gigs where I'll do sort of kind of a half-moderated conversation, half-stand-up for, you know, sometimes a 1,000 kids, right? And it's because I did this kid's show growing up. And yeah, so, yeah, I read about it. And, yeah. and so – and it's sort of this thing that came out of nowhere unintentionally, but I started getting booked for it and then it grew. And it's funny because people, my wife and, and – people I love always want to come watch, and I never allow it. Yeah,
1: it makes it worse, huh? makes it harder Way in a lot worse. Of ways. Yeah. Because when you're talking to, I mean, I noticed that with, with like corporate speaking events. If I'm just talking to strangers, you just go up and you give your piece, and it's easy to be confident and like, oh, whatever. But when you're talking to your friends, and they already know the whole shtick, and they've seen you do it before, and you feel slightly self-conscious, and then you're sort of like, oh, it's a lot harder to just perform when you know that your friends are like laughing at you in the front. Right. You know?
0: Oh, my God. Yeah. Yeah, I remember before I met my wife, I, I went on this date with a girl and she asked me to do this like speaking engagement thing that she was sort of hosting. And, you know, it wasn't for a big crowd at all. It was like less than 100 people. But she was like, will you come and do some comedy, whatever? And I said, yeah, sure. And so like for a couple of days before, I'm like, wait till she fucking sees this. I'm like, she is about to be wowed. I face planted so hard. It was so sweaty and gross. It's like need to, you. Could, it was just written all over me of like, God, please like me. And I, I'm dying to impress you. And, and I remember just feeling like, well, you, I'll just lose your number. Like, <laughs>
1: yeah. You're like, well, that's the end of that. Yeah.
0: This was great. Yeah. And yeah. thanks for, uh, thanks for seeing me. Yeah.
1: Um, yeah, I mean, that's, that's, that's tough. It's tough. <laughs> so I can't even imagine.
0: I, I was wondering this if, Let's say the government subsidized climbing, and so you got like $60,000 a year to climb, and you, you were basically taken care of, let's say, and mm-hmm. all, you could just climb, and, and basically all your, your basic needs were taken care of. Do you think you would do all this stuff like the. Making a film. Yeah, making it fun. Yeah, that, that's a really interesting.
1: Actually, I mean, it's interesting. So I've always been a big proponent of, of uh, universal basic income, like UBI, mm. which is kind of what you're describing, where basically everybody just gets like a, a living, a, a living wage. It sort of replaces other social services, and like everyone just gets a cash payment from the government. Do you know? Do you know what that is? Yeah, UBI is like I kind of think the way of the future, but because we'll of see how AI it plays too, out. Eventually. yeah, and because automation and just the way the way labor is sort of disappearing. You know, I mean, when you think driverless cars are a few years away and you're sort of like, think how many, you know, it's like tens of millions of people the employed as drivers. Industry. Yeah, and you're sort yeah. of like, that all disappears overnight. You're sort of like, yeah. So anyway, I think UBI is kind of the way of the future. But it is interesting because it means that for somebody like me, like I don't know if I would choose sponsorship and filmmaking and all that kind of stuff. Like if you could be guaranteed just live a simple life and just do your own thing. Like, I mean, I certainly was on that path for, for many years and, and found it very satisfying, you know. Yeah. Um, so it's funny because now having made the film and having had this opportunity, I don't know. I don't know if I would necessarily give that up because, you know, I mean, I do feel like, I don't know, I, you know, at the at the risk of sounding douchey, I do feel like I'm able to give something back in this way. You know, I feel wow. like audiences get something from it. And so, and that that is, you know, very, very satisfying. Um, you know, because, I mean, yeah, it's funny, climbers always say that climbing is like a fundamentally selfish pursuit. It's like you're doing it for yourself. It doesn't matter. You know, it's basically your experience that you care about. And the thing is, when you, when you share it in a great film or something, you're like, at least plenty of other people are sort of getting something out of your experience that way. And it makes it feel slightly less selfish, maybe. Um, but I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. It would be an interesting question because I, I would certainly have to think about it. I mean, because I always joke that the problem with being a professional climber is that you wind up being a worse climber as a result because, like, basically the more professional you are, the more, you know, corporate speaking opportunities you have and the more film things you do and the more sponsor events and and the, all of those take you away from actual rock climbing. And so you wind up being worse as, at what you want to be good at and, you know, better at, at speaking and things.
0: But I think, too, that people are so obsessed with watching people who have committed themselves to a level of excellence, Yeah, have you
1: seen Hero Dreams of Sushi? Have you ever seen that? Yeah, Yeah, exactly. It's a great documentary. I love that movie. Yeah. Yeah. But that's also a movie of, like, absolute commitment, but in a totally, totally different way.
0: Yeah. And it's, but yeah, it's complete and utter dedication. And I, it was sort of a revelatory moment for me when you, you said something to the effect of, I think you were speaking about your girlfriend and saying, like, her life is a little bit more about happiness and yeah. the pursuit of happiness, and mine is about the pursuit of performance. Mm-hmm. And and I was sort of thinking that idea of like reconciling that you can't, you sort of almost can't have both. Or what do you think?
1: Well, I I don't know. Um, I mean, it's funny because I think one of the one of the the tensions at the heart of the film is whether or not you can have both. And I mm-hmm. think that that's one of the things. I think there's a line in the film I, f- I forget. I'm starting to conflate, like, you know, my memories with with the film, with real life and everything. But um, But when I first started dating Sonny, one of the key things that she sort of impressed upon me was this idea that I could be a good climber and have a good relationship at the same time. Because I'd sort of always existed in this tension between... You know, being a good climber meant not having good relationships, or or like you can only climb well if you're angstful and single, you know, like kind of this back and forth where it's like, oh, I want to have a nice relationship, but I think I climb better if I don't. So I keep imploding my relationships for no real, really great reason.
0: Oh, join the club.
1: Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> um, and so, and then I met Sonia and she was kind of like, why would you do that? That's stupid. Just enjoy your good relationship and still be a good climber at the same time. Like you don't have to be all angstful, just be happy and still climb well. And I was like, huh, you know, like it sort of occurred to me, I mean, it sounds totally silly, but it was sort of the first time that, that I was like, oh, is that really an option? Like, can I do that? And so, and that's basically what we've done for the last three years. And so, you know, when, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I think that she does a good job. I mean, she personally is, is very happy but also sort of performing at a high level like doing the things that she does she's just not angstful about it in the same way that I am mm. you know because I, I sort of like grind it, you know I'm like oh I want to be better I'm like annoyed that I'm not better and she's just kind of like oh I'm very happy I'm doing my best and the thing is she she does freaking perform well in life you know it's like she has a business she she's climbing really well she's like living a very I mean she's living a great life but she's just happy about it I'm sort of like huh, oh, that's kind of a good good role model you know
0: but and do you worry that there's no there there in the respect of like there's this um, insatiable thirst in you that inevitably like because my I was fascinated because obviously you know no spoiler alert but you make it <laughs> and so yeah. you accomplish this goal and and you're you're delighted yeah you know, yeah and and I love seeing this joy that comes over you and yet there's a part of me that I wonder I'm like over or under that lasts about 18 hours or like three days no I mean and I, I do on think to the next. no I
1: think that my my solo level cap has stuck with me more than anything else I've ever done for sure yeah it's been deeply satisfying and uh, and it, which is really good because doing this whole film tour and, and having to do Q a's after the film and things like that it's good because every time I see the end of the film, it takes me right back to that happy place. It puts me in sort of the right place to go up and, like, chat with people and take pictures all night and, like, have a good time. Because it is, you know, one of the best experiences of my life. And so, um, I don't know. I definitely haven't had – I know exactly what you mean because I've had so many other climbing projects that I've done in my life where as soon as I finish it, I'm like, oh, but there could be something better. It could be something. And with LCAP, I definitely haven't felt that way. I'm sort of like, oh, I could, you know, I don't know. I could Be good. Yeah, certainly with the hard free I was like yeah, maybe maybe I could just be good, you know. It's um, yeah.
0: I mean, and to the layman, I I'm, imagine as a climber, people that really are knowledgeable about climbing, there are perhaps more challenging pursuits, and yet to us, and because you talk about it in the movie, like this is the, you know, tallest rock face, right?
1: I mean, yeah. So it's not the tallest in the world, but it's definitely the most iconic. Yes. You know, and so, and especially for me growing up in California, it's like kind of close to home and close to my heart, but it's just, yeah, I mean, El Cap is historic. It like has all the right things. It's like this majestic wall. It's really inspiring. It's really historic. It's like with the first big wall of its kind that's climbed in the world. And so many, many firsts have been done on El Cap. And so, yeah, I mean, it just captures the imagine, in way, imagination in a way that, that some random piece of rock in other parts of the world don't necessarily inspire the same, but...
0: Is there anything? Is there anything bigger that's doable? Like that? Yeah,
1: yeah. So there are plenty of bigger walls. I mean, like the the Karakoram in Pakistan, like Baffin Island, in Canada, Greenland. Like there, there are big granite walls all over. Like Alaska has big walls. Um, a lot of them are lower quality rock, though. So it might be like a five thousand foot wall, but it's really crumbly. So you can climb it with a partner and a rope. And then a lot of them are based above glaciers and things, and so you basically have to traverse a glacier to get there, which typically is better to be roped up because there's a lot of chance of falling into crevasses on glaciers.
0: Fuck, a crevasse.
1: Yeah. That sounds terrible. It's it's pretty scary.
0: Meeting your end in a glacier crevasse.
1: Yeah. Well, dude, the week after I I sold it, El Cap, I went to Alaska on this expedition. Uh, with two friends of mine but uh I'm like the least skilled in mountain travel like I don't do it that much so they always put me out front as the crevasse bunny because because basically they know how to pull somebody back out of the crevasse someone sure. goes in but I don't really know how to do that as well so they put me in front Because like if anyone goes in you're the you know you're the one that can get pulled back out oh. I'm just like it's, I find it very scary
0: oh my god that's completely <laughs> was, like, understandable who, yeah who
1: wants to be the crevasse bunny it's like every step you're like I hope this isn't the one where I go in the hole so, <laughs> oh my dude, god it's like really scary that's awesome. Or it can be, especially just in Alaska. They have Alaskan-sized crevasses, like huge, huge holes. So you, it could be something like three times the size of this room where you just, like, fall into a cavern, you know? It's like, who knows?
0: I'm going to... A that... freaking
1: plane fell into a crevasse the season that we went up there. Really? Yeah, because the planes land, you know, they have skis on the bottom, like skids, and they land on the glacier, and they sort of taxi around on the glacier. And uh, it was just, like, early season thawing, and, and the freaking plane went into a hole. Oh, jeez. Like, can you imagine?
0: I'm going to... That's gonna be my new email name: crevassebunny yeah. at gmail.
1: <laughs> people will be like, "Ooh, sexy." Yeah, You're like, "No, that. no, not sexy. Horrifying." <laughs>
0: yes, you have no no yeah. real idea.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, so, I'm I'm actually glad to hear that you got a certain level of of accomplishment and and peace from doing something like that. I I I guess my question too is like, is free soloing not to take anything away from the physicality, but is it a mental sport? Is that truly what separates? Because I imagine there are other climbers of similar ability to yours. Yeah, there are that, many
1: climbers who are much stronger physically.
0: And and not only that, but like could, if they were with a rope, climb... Yeah, much harder. And Or just climb um, El Cap and not... Slip once, yeah, right? Make yeah. it all the way.
1: Yeah, n- not many, but yeah, there are definitely people who could who could do that, no problem. I mean, Tommy Caldwell is, is among them. You see him in the film. Yes, but
0: but he just would choose not to do it without a rope. He doesn't. Yeah,
1: he's he's very opposed to free Um partially because he does just randomly fall off easy terrain, like not infrequently. <laughs> Sure. But um, which is which is a terrible habit for a soloist. Tommy, but get it together. Yeah. What's yeah, going totally. on here? Well it's interesting though, because he always climbs with a rope, so it's kinda of fine to slip on easy terrain because you're like that the rope catches you. So in some ways it's actually more efficient to be climbing so relaxed that you occasionally slip. Mm. It also means that you're saving so much energy overall that it's probably more efficient. But it just means that sometimes you fall, you know. But as a soloist you definitely don't want that because you never want to fall. No. <laughs> But um, but yeah. So I mean, soloing is very much a mental, a, a mental sport. I mean, even for me, it was kind of like that because I was physically able to climb El Cap many years before I felt like it was even remotely possible mentally. But it's it's a funny combination of the two, though, because a lot of the mentality comes from a confidence, which comes from your from your physical preparedness. You know, it's like it's also the the two sort of lean on each other. I guess you know if you're more physically prepared than then it's less scary. And so then you're, it's easily, easier mentally.
0: Do you, and I'm sure you've talked a lot about this, but what does your mental state look right before the climb? Like, what does it look like?
1: Like, well, in this, in this case, totally empty. Empty. And basically just, um, yeah, everything was autopilot. Like I I had, you know, I pre-made my bowl of breakfast. I pre-packed my backpack. My shoes are sitting there. Everything is all ready. And so I basically just roll out of bed, and then I just go through the routine, which led me all the way up to the base of the root and tighten my shoes the same way I always do, tie the knot the same way I always do, you know, chalk up, start my timer, start climbing, and, like, that's it. You know, I didn't have to think about anything. I didn't have to make decisions. I didn't, you know, I wasn't like, huh, I wonder if today is the day. You know, I was just like, I'd already made all those decisions, and I just carried out the path, which in some ways is, is kind of a, is, it's a, it's a really satisfying way to operate to some extent. Sometimes you just you just execute, you know, you just let your body do the thing that it's supposed to do and you just don't think about it. Take the variables like, out. Yeah, I mean, it's it's kind of nice in some ways.
0: And it's also, I think, like, we all have a certain level of decision fatigue.
1: Like, oh, yeah, yeah, totally.
0: You know? And they talk, like, I remember they talked about Obama when he was... Yeah, I've, I've
1: read that. Yeah. It's, it's a freaking good good article.
0: Yeah, like... Just a certain suit and a certain tie and his morning routine. and
1: No, so that's exactly it. with my solo. I was wearing the exact same clothes for all my preparation for the actual climb. Um, you know, the same, same climbing shoes, of course, same chalk bag. Like everything is all the same. So, yeah, you never have to make a decision. It's like everything is routine.
0: And does but... your mind ever wander in the middle of a free solo? Yeah,
1: yeah. So um, basically on the easy terrain, my mind definitely wanders because you can. To it's, what? Um, well, so on on the particular, on the Free solo Level Cap, I was thinking a lot about some of the partners I've been up there with. Um, actually, so earlier you were talking about the friend of mine who's worse about his diet and everything, the guy from the Munchies, uh, from the Vice piece yeah. that I did with him. So that guy, James Lucas, he, he works for Climbing Magazine now. He's, he's still a good friend of mine. I've known him, like, uh, since I was 21. It's like 12 years we've climbed together. It's like a long time. And uh, and he had supported me up up the free rider, so it had been his big goal to climb that route in a day uh, with a rope a couple years before, and so I'd supported him on one of his attempts, and he ultimately failed on the boulder problem. He hadn't been able to do it, so we rappelled back down. And so then he supported me on one of my practice attempts just as a nice way for him to sort of revisit his old friend. Mm. You know, like, well, both me and the route mostly. He wanted to, like, go up El Cap again because he's mostly been just bouldering recently, which is sort of training small rocks. And so for him to get a ride up a 3,000-foot wall, he's like, oh, such a great way to, like, revisit my old friend, you know. But um, anyway, so, you know, it was, like, fun to see him. But so as I was soloing all the easy terrain, I was sort of thinking about my various partners, my various friends who had sort of helped me throughout the season. Like, I had this particular experience with James, there was like one part on the route, like one move on this one section of rock, like the down climb to the hollow flake, where I like, for whatever reason, I just thought it was really hard. It was like this really thin, I couldn't get my fingers into the crack. And I was like, this is really tricky. And he was like, why don't you use the big hold out to the left? And I was like, what are you talking about? There's no hold out to the left. I was like, it's this really thin crack. And I was like, I think you're, you're misremembering. And he was like, no, there's this big thing out to the left. And I was like, no. And then the next time I was up there, I freaking look over and sure enough, there's this huge hold out to the left that was like kind of tucked under a little overlap of rock. I had just never seen it. But so it took this section of climbing that was extremely thin and really slippery for me. Instead of even having to climb, it, I could just skip the whole thing, just grab the big hold, hang off that, lower my feet. It's a, it's a down climb. It's kind of this weird maneuver. Right. But, um, but basically... You know, I was like, oh, I just eliminated one of the most difficult, one of the most sketchy parts of the route for me because my friend told me about this hole that I had just somehow never seen. And I was like, it was a good example that, I mean, that's why you talk to your friends about things because I was like, oh, that's so helpful. You know, because I'd already put a whole day up there. I'd put a day hanging on my rope, trying this section of moves over and over and just had literally never seen this thing that was like four feet to the left of me. Just because I I don't know. I just, I don't know how I never saw it, but I was like, thank goodness I talked to my friends about it because, you know, it's super helpful. And it, like, fully just eliminated one of the big question marks on the route for me. I was like, that's great. And so over the course of the year and a half ahead of my free solo, I had a bunch of experiences like that where it was sort of one by one. I, I checked off certain parts of the route. Where I was like, oh, you know, I talked to somebody or I found this new way or I, like, found a way of doing this move that feels more secure. I basically eliminated things one by one until I was like, okay, I can definitely do this. But so then on the day of the climb... I was sort of, you know, revisiting some of those things while I was in the easy parts, and I was able to sort of relax and enjoy. I'd be like thinking about my friends that I was up there with, and like enjoying the position, being like, "What a beautiful place!" And, you know, I'm so happy. It's, I mean, it was really, it was, it's a really powerful experience for me. So it's, it's easy to uh, just let your mind be like, "I'm so happy. This is so amazing." You know, that's yeah, cool.
0: How how quickly does the does the wall call in the respect of like how many days can you give yourself off before you're like i need to find a climbing surface i, I
1: didn't climb yesterday and i was like jonesing but especially because it was such Just a difficult day. day well no, normally i can do more than that but i think because the the couple days before hadn't been super hard session so i wasn't really tired so the day of not climbing yesterday i didn't need a rest day and so it kind of felt like a wasted day anyway and then and i'm not totally sure if i'll be able to climb today i think i'll be able to um after some flights and some, some things. And so hopefully I'll get in and then hopefully I can get tired enough that it, you know, basically I just want to feel pooped, you know, right. I just want to feel like I went hard.
0: Do you think that if you didn't have this outlet that you would be full of like, I mean, cause physically, but I would imagine it's, it's the mental part of it, right? It's that mental wash. It's that all those endorphins getting rid of all those. I, I'm projecting, but yeah. like for me, so much of that, like, the workout is to get rid of the neuroses or like the negative self-talk or like just to calm down.
1: Yeah. So I I don't think I have quite as much of that as, as maybe average. I don't, I don't really know. Um, but I mean, yeah, I mean, I'm sure the endorphins, I mean, basically, you know, physiologically, anytime somebody exercises, all kinds of positive things happen in their body. And obviously I experience that the same as anybody else. Um, you know, I'm a a slave to the drug of exercise, (laughs) but, or, or, you know, yeah, you could say I'm an addict or, I mean cuz when people talk about adrenaline junkie and stuff like I definitely don't consider myself an adrenaline junkie and 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 climbing in general is a much more slow and thoughtful activity but I mean it is probably fair to say that there are plenty of of chemical reactions going on inside my body when when I climb or when I exercise and, and I do love that feeling so you know that's yeah, something
0: I don't think you come across as an adrenaline junkie in that way I think if it was chess it would have been chess or if it was any sort of great pursuit of something to master. That,
1: see, that's what I've always thought. And so I think that had I not become a climber or something, I mean, I was studying engineering, I, I could have seen myself getting into like environmental engineering and and trying to do, like, I could definitely see myself very committed to, to mental puzzles, you know, like trying to solve problems for the world. And I think that if I, if I had taken that path where I lived in a city and I was just trying to you know, design better renewable energy systems or something. Yeah. I could see myself being the type of engineer that lives off, like, Soylent or something. You know, like, I'm drinking 500 calories of beverage a day and just sitting at my computer working for, like, 16 hours at a, at a stretch. You know, because, I mean, I, I, you know, in some ways, I'm I'm just fundamentally kind of a tweaker, you know? I'm Like, I really dive into things when I'm into them. And I don't know. I think that, it, yeah, it could have been anything, really.
0: And do you think, But like... But
1: I just freaking love climbing. So, like, obviously, that sort of chose itself.
0: Right. But... And what's fascinating in the doc, I know you have to go soon, so I'll wrap it up. You're good. You know, like, I was fascinated by, you seem to have sort of this natural sort of stoic... um, uh, sort of disposition to you. And what's really interesting is watching sort of the difference between your mom and your girlfriend talk about you soloing. And I don't know if it's just because your mom has lived with it longer. Cause she,
1: no, well, no, my girlfriend definitely has had a much more intimate look at soloing than, <laughs> than my mom has.
0: Well, she seems to have a similar resolve to you, which is very stoic, for lack of a better word. Like, this is what makes him happiest, and I would never, you know, think to um, – in the way of that in any respect where and then i totally understand your girlfriend's perspective which is like why does he have to do this sometimes like this is yeah
1: i mean she says that but then at the same time she's surprisingly supportive of it you know she's sort of like not supportive because she's not encouraging me but she's also like if this is what you need then i can get behind that but i really don't understand why you need that and i'm like "I, i i understand that you know I mean, there's certainly things that she does in life where I'm like, "Why would you want to do that? Like, that's stupid." But I'm like, if you want to, you know, then power to it. Yeah, like I'll support that. Um, but
0: yeah, it seems like you have a certain level, and and I I'm in envy. I, I'm envious of it. Like that, you do have a certain level of blinders on, which I think is which is uh, inherent in anyone who's totally great at something they do. Where I don't think you contemplate sort of like there's not a lot of contemplation. It's a very focused energy of like, yeah, like I don't I don't think about the ups or the downs of it that much. It's just, this is what I do. It brings me joy. I'm great at it. Yeah.
1: Well, it's, not, it's maybe not so much whether or not I think about the ups and the downs. It's just that it is something that I love to do and day to day. I mean, so people often ask me like, oh, when did you decide to be a professional climber? When did you know that you were going to devote your life to climbing? And I always say that that I never really decided. It's just that day in and day out, I would always rather go climbing than do something else. And so I think that it's not that I'm, like, blinded to the rest of life. It's that, like, I just want to go climb more than anything else and then combine that with, with the general desire to improve at what I do or, like, to feel like I'm getting better, which means, like, constantly having to push your comfort zone to some extent and constantly trying a little bit harder. You know, when you combine the deep love of climbing with this deep love of improving, then it's, like, eventually you get to be pretty freaking good, you know? Yeah. It's, like, that's... I don't know. I mean, in some ways, I don't know if that requires more introspection or like, you know, it doesn't require blinders or any kind of like big cosmic plan. It's just like, I freaking love going climbing and I want to be good at it. And so you put in a lot of work and, you know, it sort of happens eventually.
0: Yeah. It's really just a clarity, a vision.
1: Well, but it's not even a vision is what I'm, what I'm saying. Like, Got because it. I never had like a vision of the end point because there's no, you know, I never had a plan for climbing. It's like you just wake up and you're like, I want to climb. Yeah. And and not only do I want to climb, but I want to climb preferably on something new to me or something like slightly different or something challenging, something slightly bigger. And so when you just work that out over twenty years, you want up doing a lot of freaking climbing. You know, it's just yeah, it's just a lot. I
0: ask this to
1: I mean in, in a lot of ways it is like the mindset of an addict or something, you know, always needing something slightly more or slightly different. But it's like just channeled into a into a relatively healthy way because it's like you know, you're trying to physically improve yourself, I guess.
0: I I asked uh, Laird Hamilton this and and I'm fascinated and and I'm I'm excited to ask you this as well. What do you think is like the most insidious thing that keeps people back or is like a trait in in that you have observed in other people where you're like god that is just something toxic to your being or is what keeps people from achieving similar goals or... so so
1: I don't I can't really say about other people but I mean I think that for me personally the biggest thing holding me back is is sort of self-doubt and I know that you know anybody seen the film be like oh that seems crazy but so I mean for example last night um, I had sort of a rough day of travel I like landed on this weird airline thing anyway there were like some cookies sitting out and so I like took these two cookies it's like oh maybe I'll eat these later or whatever but I basically hadn't eaten dinner and then I, like, did this event, showed up back in the room super late. I was like, I haven't done anything. I hadn't eaten any healthy meals during the day. I basically hadn't eaten for the whole day. I hadn't exercised for the whole day. I felt terrible. And I've been trying to do a daily core routine where I basically do, like, a workout in my hotel rooms. Like, And I've done it every day for, like, two and a half months, basically. And I'm I sort of have, I'm the most fit, like, opposition and core-wise that I've probably ever been, which is sort of the interesting byproduct of this whole tour. But I basically got back to the room ate my cookies and was kind of like, well, there's my my dinner. And I was sort of like, oh, I probably shouldn't have eaten cookies for dinner. Like, what, what's wrong with me? Like, that's terrible. And then it was kind of like, do I even want to – I had like kind of a mild headache from like weird motion sickness from being stuck in a cab for like four hours driving back and forth across L.A. and San Francisco on the same day. And I was like totally haggard feeling. I was like, I don't really want to do my workout. And then I was also like, my last two gym sessions hadn't been amazing. You know, like I didn't feel that strong. And so it's easy to be like, oh, my whole program is kind of crumbling. You know, and and when I look forward to the next month, I'm sort of, like, I'm just going to be doing more traveling. It's going to be even harder to stay fit. It's, basically, it's easy to just get into a certain hopelessness of, like, there's no real point in working out because it's, like, it's not going to do anything anyway because my next month, it's, like, I'm not going to have the opportunity to train in the gym hard enough. It's, like, there's no point in working super hard if I'm not going to be able to, like, use it to actually be a good climber. And so I was, like, oh, and, I'm, you know, I'm on a terrible diet. I'm, like, not training well. I'm, like, it's all going downhill. Yes, And indeed. so, yeah, it would be really easy to be, like, my life sucks, I'm going to bed, screw it. and so and I think that for me that's the biggest challenge is the like the easy to sort of get defeatist or the you know, just to let or to be then be like, you know, well, I suck anyway. Why don't I just eat this chocolate bar from the mini bar next to me? Oh yeah. And then and then like watch a movie or something. You know, do something mindless just to like make me feel better. And then the next day be like, oh, now I feel terrible. I don't know. Ultimately, I wound up doing my core last night, doing doing my stretching routine, doing the whole deal, and then just going to bed. And I was kind of like, well.
0: At least you know, that.
1: Yeah, I was like, well, at least I like did something. And actually, I felt surprisingly strong doing the core routine. So I was kind of like, well, you know, at least there's that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But so I mean, I think that it's really easy to get sort of defeatist or you know, like, oh, what's the point? Like, who cares anyway? Or like, I suck anyway. There's no... You know, just feeling like you're not able to affect change in your own life anyways. So right. it's like, yeah, so why bother putting in the effort? You know, like some things just seem insurmountable or like if you don't have control over your life in certain ways, I think it's easy to just be... Yeah, I don't know. Just give up on it. I don't I don't know.
0: Yeah, and then it just compounds. Right.
1: I mean, I'm sure you've had very similar experiences. <laughs> oh, if, yeah. if, if you try yeah. It seems like yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah.
0: Um okay, last two questions. Um
1: Yeah, I think we're fine, no worries.
0: Okay. What um I I, I know that being in a relationship has opened my eyes to things that have been uh, Looking at the world in ways that I never. How, could how long have imagined. you been with your wife? Seven years. Wow, that's pretty freaking long. Longest, yeah. We've been married. We got the kid on the way, so we're doing yeah, it. We're yeah, adulting. Yeah, you're,
1: you're deeply in, yeah.
0: What has been the most revealing thing of being in this relationship over the last three years? What can you pinpoint, like one thing that you've learned that's been the most impactful? Um. I, honestly, I I don't know. I could share mine. Um, oh yeah, let's hear
1: yours, yeah. What do you think? Um, I need prompting. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, it was very interesting because obviously, you know, uh, they say like opposites attract. And so like I come from, never knew my pop, single mom, only child in New York. Oh, wow. Yeah. And a very specific sort of upbringing and an incredible mom, but, you know. But that's a lot, yeah. Yeah, challenging. And are,
1: are you Jewish? Yeah. Your mom, yeah, Jewish mom, single mom. I was like, I feel like that's all pretty, Dude, pretty mega. Lie. Like you got, you got a lot of momming totally
0: yeah, yeah. lioness and yeah. fabulous in all the ways and also like yeah. didn't let me get away Fears. with anything yeah and you know and my wife comes from this from Sacramento Oh yeah yeah she's from Sac from Sac Do You know
1: where she went to high school I'm
0: She curious. so she went to high school in LA but oh, her whole lame. family went to like like she went to St Ignatius huh and I and her uncle is a teacher at a Jesuit.
1: Oh yeah, classic. Yeah, dude. All my cousins
0: went there. She's from the fabulous forties.
1: Oh uh, yeah, classic. Of course. <laughs> yeah.
0: yeah. Um. And so big set, you know, salt of the earth people. But she comes from like an Irish Catholic, one of four, beautiful, very healthy, classic family. Mm-hmm. So what was revealing in that when we would fight? Yeah,
1: that is definitely opposites attract. <laughs> totally. <laughs> very different
0: worlds and uh-huh. and when we would fight early on when you when you grow up without one of your parents being there there's an idea i think that's planted in you that like if they can leave anyone can leave like nothing is forever mm-hmm. so we would get in these fights and i would my coping mechanism was cut and run and i'd be like well this was great thanks like nice meeting you i Fidden. guess we're done here yeah <laughs> and her coming from such a healthy family she'd be like oh, no, like family doesn't leave. Like we're allowed to fight and we're allowed to have this. Dude, it's this... funny
1: you say that. Like I've had almost the exact same experience. Because Sonny really? also comes from a very healthy family that's very good at talking about their feelings and, you know, emotional expression. and uh, And my family definitely less so. And and certainly my relationship history is much more like, oh, if you have a big argument, then, like, things implode. You just peace out. You go climb and you live in your van, like, whatever. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, I was definitely much more on the, like, oh, if you have a fight, then it probably means that things are, like, done. And was like, no, this is totally normal. The next, day, you know, you just, like make up and you talk it through everything's fine and like she's like this is all part of a healthy relationship and i was like huh really yeah you know because like certainly if she would ever be upset with me about anything if she would like yell at me about something she she doesn't really yell but what i call like her you know being upset with me for something i would take that as like oh well i failed and so she's like not in the relationship and like you know obviously like i've ruined this i should just go back to my thing and and the reality is like that's definitely not the case you know she's just like expressing like this is what i need for you to like make me happy And then I'm like, oh, well, if I do the things that she needs, then it's all perfect and everybody's happy. It's like, yeah, yeah, it's interesting. Basically, being with people who are really emotionally intelligent and and sort of healthy is is sort of a gift.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Oh, man. Okay, last question. And I asked this of everyone on on the pod. What would you say are your one or two Alex Honnold commandments? Like things that you would want to impress upon someone if you were only going to give them one or two things that you think are ultra important to you?
1: Man, I don't know. (laughs) Like, I don't know. Give me one of your commandments.
0: Oh, man. I I guess I would say let go of the old story, that be more yourself. Hmm. That's a big thing that I've had to sort of reconcile as I've gotten older. Hmm. But, yeah, I mean, you know, being more, yeah, just I would say
1: be intentional about your choices. Mm. Like, choose things. Don't just, like, get caught in the current of life and, like, wind up drifting wherever. You know, like, make a choice and and execute it. Yes. But I mean, I think that— yeah, I mean, that's been such a big part of my life It's like, I've chosen the life that I want to lead. Um, and, you know, and that has meant living in a car for many years and, like, not having a bathroom, not having showers, like, whatever. But that's all that's all fine because that's a choice. Like, I want to, you know, I've, I've maximized or, like, sort of optimized certain parts of my life. Where it's like I want to be able to climb all the time. I want to be in beautiful places where there are rocks, you know, and so I'll do whatever it takes to put myself in that in that position. And I don't know, I feel like it's just easy to... To just let life carry you on without without choosing like this is what I want from it, this is what I want to do, and, and there are just so many things people people like, oh, I couldn't do that, and you are kind of like, well, why couldn't you do that? Like, who cares? I mean, you can do whatever you want, you know, like you are you are a free wild animal, you know, like yeah. do your thing. It's like, yeah, you don't have to be conditioned into into accepting whatever life you know you currently have. Like, make choices, yeah. But I mean, I also think that way though about like food choices and and like lifestyle in general. You know, like choose the things that are important, like. You know, I mean, obviously I'm not perfect about it, but like dietarily I, I try to, you know, make good choices, right? Um, which is why I've been vegetarian for a long time and sort of like trying to minimize my impact on the earth through diet when, when I can, you know, and you're just like, oh, you know, I wouldn't, I've certainly never choose to eat fast food. Like, you know, if you think about going through like, or, or even just choosing the corporations that you choose to support, you know, like, yeah, I mean, voting with your dollars, if you want to call it that or whatever else, like just, but, but be, you know, making choices in life. Yeah. I feel like there are a lot of things in the world that would not exist if people were more intentional because there's so many just vile corporations that nobody necessarily would intentionally support, you know, but it's just sort of the cheapest thing at the grocery store. So people are like, oh, sweet, like, that's cool. But if they actually knew the business practices or anything, they would never be like, I want that company to succeed, you know, because they'd be like, that company is a freaking abomination. But, you know, people just aren't intentional. I don't know. Live with intention.
0: I'm not not eating McFlurries anymore after this conversation. You convinced me. Well,
1: I I am. That is actually exactly what I was thinking about. Because I was like, oh, McDonald's is like a horrendous corporation. McFlurries are horrendous for you. Like everything about it. I'm sort of like, oh, just go eat some like nice, you know, fair trade chocolate or something. It's like just as much pleasure, but without supporting some of the worst corporations on earth, you know? Dude. Just putting that out there. Yes.
0: I love it. Alex Honnold for president. (laughs) Boom. Dude, thank you so much. No, a pleasure. This was awesome. Man, thank thank you. you. All right, that was it. That was Alex Honnold. Go see his movie, Free Solo. Talk to you guys later. Love you. Thank you for listening. Um, Tweet me at It's Josh Peck if you like the pod, and if you don't, um, let me know that too. Okay. Love you. Bye.